Reload Podcast is brought to you in association with Reload. Reload supply the highest quality automotive apparel online for the classic motor enthusiast. Our selection of clothing and motor accessories brings designs from across the world to the UK and Europe. Check out our online store for our latest offerings. Go to reload.global. We're back. Hello and welcome to the Reload Podcast. I am Connor McCann. And I'm Nigel Lamont. Just a quick word to say thank you to everybody that has listened. This is the day after we launched our first episode and the feedback has been very positive, Connor, would you say? It was shocking. People actually like us. Must have been listening to a different podcast and messages by mistake. Definitely. Yeah. There's some sort of filter problem there. Yep. Thanks very much, guys. Really appreciate it. Let's just chat about what we have coming up today. On today's episode, we're going to speak to our guest host, Lee Maxwell, talk about car shows and what they mean to us, and answer some of our listeners' questions. Yay! So with us today, we have Lee Maxwell, Connor's girlfriend, and she's guest host. Uh, she'll be popping in from time to time as she can fit it in, as, that's what she said, as, uh, <laughs> <laughs> as uh, she's a busy woman, she travels the length and breadth of Ireland. Yeah. Sales rep. Sales rep? No, no, no. No. Uh, accountants manager? Op- operations manager. Operations manager. Jeepers. Oh, I underplayed that. <laughs> <laughs> operations manager of a rather large car parts company. So, there. We didn't get you in trouble, Lee. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> right, Lee. Tell us a bit more about your background. Uh, what what got you into cars, bikes even? Is it, no. I suppose it started with my dad. He wasn't really a car person, I guess you'd say he was a car person out of necessity in the way that some of the older generation were, that if you couldn't fix up and work on your own car, you couldn't afford to have a car or you couldn't afford to get to work. So Yeah, there's no such thing as get a loan for that. Yeah. It was make do. Yeah, yeah, no finance culture. So, I mean, I grew up with dad footering around at things and servicing cars. And I mean, one of the first pictures of me i think is me helping him to change the engine of a 2cv van although i obviously don't remember it that's but probably for the best <laughs> there's definitely Some pictures of be- me best less in the past isn't yeah <laughs> Left holding the tools and things and when i was about two but mostly my dad was into bikes that was his real passion he, he liked cars in the way that non-car people can appreciate a nice car yeah he's he's into the mechanical side of it yeah but he was really into bikes more so and my mum too I mean, some of my memories of childhood are going to bike rallies with mum and dad and going out on spins on the bike on a Sunday with either my sister on the back of mum and me on the back of dad or yeah, your vice mom, versa. Your mum spent months in traction after a bike accident as well. so it's She did yeah. when she was 16. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, start them young. So I guess my sister and I both kind of grew up bike mad and we had a little monkey bike that we used to ride in the field behind the house and, you know, out and about, as I said, with mum and dad on the bikes. And that was where the the love of speed and things, I guess, came from. Just going back to last week when we were talking about growing up, your early teenage years, I think that's when you get your, what what interests you, you know? Yeah, for sure. I know personally for me, it's been pretty much took over my life. And I think we're all sitting in the room for the same reasons, you know, 
Yeah, it's, absolutely. It's a big part of our lives. So, yeah, I was helping out with Dad, doing bits and pieces throughout the years in the garage. And that's where I learned basic maintenance of cars and things. And I think that's a, such a great thing for anyone to learn. I think anyone who drives a car should have to learn basic skills of... Yeah, I think it's, it's a thing that lacks in young people at the minute, especially working in the manufacturing industry. Apprentices coming through and you get some really good guys, but there's guys who can't turn a spanner. I think there's, is it, there's some of the Nordic countries... I think they sort of push that sort of thing in the when you're learning to drive. Yeah, over here, especially, you have a very basic system of show us where you put your oil, where do you put your brake fluid. Yeah. No one makes you change a tire, which is a very basic thing when you have to. Well, you can speak on that one from experience with your dad. Yeah, and that's, I think, probably one of the first things I learned was change a wheel, dip your oil, you know, just check basic things. The essentials. It, it, it would really amaze you nowadays how many how little people know about general maintenance yeah in cars i suppose it's probably a bit to do with more modern cars are much more difficult for the average person to work on in their own garage with basic tools yeah whereas it's all digital now us who grew up driving grew up older cars analog that age. you can work on yeah yeah even like I, I work in cars all the time like yourselves and you show me a golf r yeah change the shocks change the brakes not a problem do something electronic no not a chance yeah yeah, but that was how I started off, learning those kind of basics. And then I guess I kind of got out of it for a few years. I was off busy being a rebellious teenager. But as I got into my later teens and coming up to age 17, I could not wait to drive. I had a moped when I was 16 and that was great. That was like the first taste of freedom. Insert, Get out there on your insert own. Insert motorhead music here, Colin. <laughs> <laughs> and I had a bike as well. But 17 and getting into a car, that was, I couldn't wait. And it was that sort of freedom and get out there. And I still love that, even though despite the miles that I do for work. Just to let everybody know, you are doing crazy miles. What what are you averaging a year at the minute in your job? I guess I'd say 30,000 plus just work mileage plus whatever I do so break outside that down, of that. What's your weekly mileage in general? Or average, sorry. I mean, it varies uh, depending on where I am. Some days I drive a thousand, fifteen hundred miles a week. Sometimes I might only do a few hundred if I'm staying over, but if I'm driving around the country, it's. You're a fine one that if you have a six hour drive, you'd refuse to stop. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've driven from West Cork, which is pretty much as far as you can get south and west, to home. It's about six hours. And if I don't absolutely have to piss or the car doesn't need diesel, I don't stop. Just get home. Yeah. I just want to get home. But despite that, you still love your driving? Yeah, I like a, a spirited drive. And I mean, I had a great crack driving up the road today, this afternoon, from Cavan. Uh-huh. And I, so Connor and I have a rule kind of between us that we've semi-implemented. That is, I don't drive at the weekends. Yeah, and despite the Lee being off, at, say, on a Wednesday, which isn't the weekend, it's the weekend for Lee, so I do the driving. Do you get a wee cap, you know, like a proper oh, driver? Lee sits in the boot, never mind the back seat. She'll only be taken around in the limo, that sort of thing. That sounds rude. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, yes, go on. So, I suppose, when I first passed my driving test at 17, my first car was a Vauxhall Nova. I know you guys talked a little bit about Novas last week. I thought perhaps we should explain, perhaps for some of our international friends, actually what a Nova is. Because a Chevy Nova and a Vauxhall Nova are, very are different. quite different. Yeah, yeah. Novas were the formative car for a teenager in the UK in the 80s and 90s. 90s. If you didn't have a Nova, you were nobody, essentially. That was the what car the, to have at a young age. What would the equivalent be in America, then? 
Civic? I don't think they have anything that small. At the minute, yeah. Fiesta ST. Yep. Yeah. Fiesta Blown ST. Yeah. Only, only that's a ridiculous horsepower for someone who's just passed their test. Yeah, it is. But I yeah. suppose they were that of their day. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that's the hot hats for young ones to have and want to be seen in. Or to our European friends, an Opel Corsa A. An Opel Corsa A, indeed. Yeah. The same car. But we have to rebadge everything here, apparently. But that little I th- Nova. I think, I think the rebadging is basically to make it look like Britain still makes stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> LOL. As, as the factory shut down one by one. <laughs> yeah. But that little Nova, well, m- when my dad first got it, it belonged to my great aunt and it was like new. I mean, I don't think the back seats of that car had ever even been sat in. It was, she used to take it to the shops from time to time. <laughs> Nigel's either going to make a joke about Lee using the back seats or her auntie using the back seats. Oh, no. <laughs> 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 ah, dear, you really prejudge me, Connor. I'm very disappointed in you. Yes. <laughs> Go on ahead. That's staying in, by the way. Ah, yeah. <laughs> Where did we go? Where did we left, leave off? Uh, about your your lean the may or may not have left the back seat. Your, your, your back seat. <laughs> yes, your back seat. Tell us about your great back seat there, Lee. Well, you can figure out how to edit that. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, it was pretty basic. It was a little five-door Nova, no mod cons, no power steering, manual windows, all that kind of jazz. But it's great because you actually really learn how to drive in a car like that. Yeah, I'm a big one against driver aids, as you know, and it I think it makes people lazy. So yeah, if you drive and if you learn to drive in something like that, that you are driving. Yeah. So when I, as soon as I passed my test, I was already working for Domino's Pizza in the kitchen. So I obviously had to get out delivering then because I just, when once you've passed your test, you just want to drive yeah. wherever it is. You'll drive everywhere. So we did that and I used to take it to school every morning and it, my dad thought it was great because I could then take my sister to school and it got him out of school run duties. So it worked for him. He, when he was working, he had the Land Rover for work, so... He didn't really need the car that much only at the weekends, but I think I kind of took it over. Yeah. <laughs> I did a few basic modifications to it back in the day, by which I mean alloy wheels out of the scrapyard. Of course. A Halford's Rip Speed carbon fibre gear knob. With blue thread through it, I believe. Yes. Oh, Delicious. good lord. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> and a Kenwood head unit. Yep. That was pretty much it. I mean, to be honest... I didn't know much about modifying or how to do anything really. and It wasn't your scene? Not particularly at the time. So then a few months after I had been driving the Nova and I think dad kind of got a bit sick of it and he wanted his car back. So he bought me my own car then so that he could have the Nova, which was a little Ford car. And it was a bit of a dose, but it was my own car and it was brilliant. My friend used to have a... Ford car and the chassis in them's actually quite good, handling wise. He had it lowered in a set of fifteen. Do you know what? Yeah, wheel at each corner, small car. Is that right? They McEnroe? do handle all right. No, Graham Curry, the photographer. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's a local photographer. Um, he had one of them for about three years. They handle really well until they rot and fall apart. Oh, this is very true. It's a Ford, so you know. Well, the sump in mine managed to rot. It's so impressive. how a metal box full of oil manages to rot, I that's don't know. That, but that's usually a fate trait. It is, yeah. Mm. yeah Ford are picking up the tips. Shortly after I got the car, um, 
myself and three friends went on a road trip holiday to Wales. Um, so four of us, it was only a four-seater, obviously being as small as they are, we were obviously... So you went on a road trip in a Ford car to Wales? Yes, four of us. How did you think you were going to get up hills? Where was your stuff? Not only that, we had obviously tents and camping equipment and things because we were 17 or 18. We couldn't afford to stay in hotels or anything. So we had a roof box. Probably the size of the car. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it was it was brilliant and the car did just about manage it. But yeah. I'd... Just uh, if anybody's listening that doesn't know what a Ford car is, Google it. It's basically the same size as a pencil case with four wheels on it. Yeah. It's a tiny Ford hatchback. It's probably one of the smallest. I think it costs Ford about £60 to make, basically. And I personally know it takes 12 minutes from lighting one to burns out completely. I won't ask how you know that. No. But I have witnessed it. Do you want to hear something? The Ford car has basically... I talked last week about my first car was a Mark 1 Fiesta. It basically has the... Not the same engine, but basically the genetics of the engine that was in the 1970s Ford. Yeah, they're a 1300 push rod. There's but you can't kill them? No. The body rots, yeah. the engine rains. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> you can't. There's no power, but it'll always go, it'll always run. They're like, you're Jack Russell. You can't get rid of it. Oh, it's like a virus. <laughs> <laughs> um, after the car, then I upgraded, still on Fords, to a Focus uh, 1.8 diesel Z-Tech, which started my love of a sporty diesel car. No such mm. thing. <laughs> and I loved that car. And I tell you what, it was a great handling car for its day, probably even still now. But unfortunately, the particular one that I had was a bit of a nightmare. And a Friday car, was it? Yeah, I think so. It didn't help. I won't name the well-known local dealer that I bought it off, but I had nothing but issues with it. So I actually didn't keep it for that long, although I did like it. The blackest of brand new air filters in it? Yes. Of course. Oh, okay. <laughs> so fairly soon after I got that, I traded it in against an almost brand new and probably until my current car, the most modern car I've ever owned, um, Suzuki Swift Sport, which was an ex-demonstrator model, one year old, 900 miles. What a great little car that was. That's the car you had when I first met you? Yeah. I was going to say, I don't remember have you ever seeing you in a Swift now. I really like that thing. Here, they're, they're gritty engines in them. Yeah, it rev for days. It handled so well. Lift yeah. off oversteer on roundabouts. I was just like, Do you remember the so Suzuki cool. Swift GTI? Yes. Oh. A tin box with, what, 100 odd horsepower? I, was, I think it was 99 or 100 horsepower, but they, they were such a car. Yeah, they're so cool. The, the most of them apparently got bought for Clubman Rally Days. I actually seen a Suzuki Swift GTI engine in a Corsa B at a rally. Sorry, not a rally, a hill climb locally to us one day. And I was like, what's the story with that? Yeah. Like, yeah, it's just a great engine. Like, the rest yeah. of them rotted. Yeah, but Foxhall make equally good engines. It's strange. Mm. But obviously the DNA carried over to your Swift because the thing was amazing. Yeah. it was At that time, it was the Swift, Mini Cooper, or a Fiat 500. They were the kind of cool... Slightly girly cars, I suppose, but they would all have been on a par. Yeah, in the same category. And I looked at a Mini Cooper and I didn't like it as much as I liked the Swift. Mm -hmm. And it was cheaper. Yeah. (laughs) But, yeah, as you said, that little car started me off into the world of modified cars. That's how I got into it. When I had that car, my ex-boyfriend 
his cousin and I were friends and knocked around together and dangerous territory here, Connor. Exes. Yeah, <laughs> and we used to go to the Sunday night car park in Portadown and Which is actually how we met. That's where I met Connor. In a car park. What was that car park called? There was no name for it, was it? No. Was that called the back car park? No. No, it actually wasn't oddly. I think it was just Portadown, Portadown car park. Car park Sunday actually, night. You had three car parks in close vicinity and they were all just Portadown car park. You if you know, ice. you know. You know, you know. The one we sat in was the cool one. Of course. Opposite ice you wouldn't sit in a car park that wasn't cool, Connor? Would I be seen in a non-cool car park? Not yeah. a chance. So that was around that time that I met you and a load of other... Insert romantic music. Lurgan folk. Life changed for the Billy better. Bar- but uh, Barry White in here would do well, Connor. Um, joined RMS. But all along through all those cars that I've mentioned, my dad was actually still driving the Nova. He had talked on and off about selling it and then he had got another couple of cars and then it lay up at the house and I always begged him not to sell it. I said, you can't, you can't. I love that car. Someday I'm going to start driving that again. I'm going to do it up. I'm going to do whatever to it. And obviously it didn't really look like it was going to happen until I met you. Prince Charming walked into your life. (laughs) And I think probably one of the reasons that you thought I was cool was because I told you that I had a Nova. Yeah, between the Swift and the Nova, it was you were gaining serious points. Instant job, Connor? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so eventually, in order to, to try and claw back some of my debts, I sold the Swift. The plan was that you were going to help me to tidy up the Nova and get it back on the road. Yeah. But how often these things spiral out of control. It seems to be a theme. And rather than a quick fix-up, it turned into quite a long-term project. Back arches, replacement panel, few sill patches, respray, coilovers, wheels... Basically what you're saying is you're a bad influence, Connor. Yeah, I make bad decisions, but I'm easily led as well. Here, Lee, come over here. I've got this stuff. It's called Carcane. Try it. It's really, really nice. Take this. (laughs) I got what you need. (laughs) So after selling the Swift, Nova wasn't ready yet. You actually lent me your Polo for a little while. Which we discussed briefly last week. Yes, and I wanted to bring this up because there was great controversy over... Who blew up the polo? Which was definitely and I show. think... Your Honour, Your Honour, <laughs> I do declare, Your Honour. If you listen back to what Connor said last week, you will find that he said, 20 miles later, it blew up. Okay. So whose possession was it in when it blew up? There's it the, was in Connor's possession. Oh, there's Connor, the, there's Connor, the law degree coming You've let now. yourself down, big style, mate. <laughs> big style. I'm saying nothing. For I think change. it's best. For a change. So I drove that for a couple of weeks, I think. I think the yeah. the day that I drove it away from your house, you got loads of texts and calls to say, I just saw a girl driving your car. Have you sold it? Is it stolen? Yeah, everyone recognized. Well, it's an army green polo. There aren't a lot about. You must be well connected, Connor. All these boys going, you know, what's Who's happening, this? Connor? What's happening? Do you need her kneecapped? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Commander, your car's on the list. <laughs> But we had a great time doing up the car and yeah. working together and we had such fun in the workshop and you had a project on the go at the time and Patty and some of our other friends and that was what started the whole group of us. Yeah, it set the scene for the next 10 years essentially. Yeah, so we got the Nova done and painted and lowered and all the things we mentioned and I drove it for a good few years and daily. I yeah. took it to work, I took it wherever I was going. I went to Castle Well and show in it. This is um, even when Novas wouldn't have been common on the road at that point. Yeah. I used to get some looks. I used to get stopped by the police all the time, actually. Yeah. The less said about that. <laughs> um, 
I went to Fintan and a lot of the RMS meets and stuff and met a load more car people and I suppose eventually that's how we came to know Nigel and some of the GTNI folk and all of our friends. It was a slippery slope from then, really, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, before that, I had a passing interest in cars. I liked cars. I liked looking at them. I didn't have a particular brand of car. This is your your meme, essentially, is the duck going over the waterfall. This is you. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> but at that point, I just liked cars. It yeah. wasn't a, a brand or a whatever. And then as I got to know you and some of our other friends and a lot of the shows that were going on around that time, the big scene was Volkswagen. Yeah. And the best shows were Volkswagen and the best cars were Volkswagens. Yeah. And probably still are. The quality level. If you're talking yeah. about show quality. Yeah, for finish and cars, yeah. You look at Dubshed was big, Castle Wellen was big then. Titanic Dubs wasn't around at that point, I don't think. 2012 Nine. or 13. Yeah, so it before Titanic Dubs. The whole car scene, the way you're talking about it, I think from an outsider's point of view, what they don't realise is the friendship and just the fun that's had. Yeah, the cars are important, but for me, it's the fun you have on road trips, going to shows, at shows, maybe meeting people you haven't seen before. Yeah, I think your average person looks at us and thinks you're either a boy racer who is an absolute tube or you're a weirdo. Yeah. There's no in between. The shows that we were going to around that time... Your ultimate dubs, uh, edition thirty eight. Dubshed was just starting out. Yeah, two thousand and ten um, was the first year. Yeah. Yeah. So of course I was going to have to get a Volkswagen naturally to fit in. <laughs> My ideal Volkswagen back then, the dream would have been a new Sirocco. I remember the first time I saw one on the Boucher Road outside Agnews. I just thought they looked like an Alpha or something. The lines and everything they were. They were so at the time the Sirocco was a big step outside the mark from Volkswagen, I remember. Like it was not Yeah, and as vast the difference between the Mark One Golf and the Mark One Sirocco as there was to the Mark Five slash six and yeah. the current Sirocco. Yeah. So that would have been the dream, but obviously I was poor at the time poor and student. I couldn't afford a new Sirocco. So the other one of the other cars that I really liked was a Vento and I had been talking about a Vento and I might buy a Vento and Mark Three Jetta for the Americans. Shout out to the big booty bitches. And that Christmas, lo and behold, Connor bought me a Vento. A Christmas miracle, Connor. A Christmas miracle. A Vento which definitely wasn't driven from the south of Ireland on cut springs, bald tires, potentially no insurance, no tax or no MOT at all. No you officer. F- you it, big friends with Slab Murphy, are you? It was the thought that counted, though. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about insurance. <laughs> so, it was a bit of a a project um it needed a bit of work yeah but the plan was to have it ready for ultimate dubs in march yeah from christmas just for anybody who doesn't know what ultimate dubs is it's a show in telford in england and it's basically the season opener for basically the volkswagen scene connor yeah it was probably the big season opener and the problem for us was having to cross the water you had to factor in a day or two really to and several hundred pounds yeah get to the boat get across the water and drive down through either Scotland and England or Wales into England. It's been going from mid-2000s or early 2000s? Yeah, 2005, 2006. It was a well-established show at that point. It's a completely indoor show and uh, it was a big deal. It sort of kind of is, like, you know. So the target was set for the date for the Vento? It was. 
So we got on all right. We got a lot of work done. The bodywork, interior, took out the cut springs and put in coilovers. We got the wheels, um, which were Mitsubishi L200 wheels, which I got chrome powder coated. They were six studs, so we had to do adapters and things like that. They were pretty unusual. I think even now they're probably still quite unusual, but they were definitely unusual at the time. At the time, that was a big deal. Yeah. Wheels wise, in the same like. Yeah, one one guy in England tried to copy it. I remember on a polo, and rather than actually working out the fitment, which was a few nights' work to do, just went full roller skate style, did he? He built a full wide body for the car, and it looked horrendous. Oh, full DFR. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> but the major thing was the paint, and yeah. I had grand plans for the paint. It was supposed to be green. That was the plan, like a metallic kind of bottle green. Yeah. It was going to be lovely. Not dragon green, but not long like it. Yeah. It's actually still green on the tax book because I preemptively sent off the tax book with a colour change on it. Yeah, to say this is green. <laughs> but unfortunately, the night that we took it into the workshop to paint... Three nights before we left to go to England. Yes. We had a big problem, big reactions all over the car. The paint really just ran off it. Yeah, in hindsight... It- really do believe it was just shit paint but at that stage we weren't overly familiar with painting cars the way we would be now so three nights before ultimate dubs and my car looked like a watermelon <laughs> yeah <laughs> not, a good, not a good look <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so it was a quick run to the paint shop the next morning picked a random gray straight color of a ral chart yeah and painted it satin gray which it still is to this day it actually looked pretty good i loved it yeah it worked out Maybe even better than the green. And very low maintenance. At that stage, I think those satin colours and wraps especially were big in, so you got away with it. Yeah, it definitely worked. So it was, we were probably then two days before Ultimate Dubs. We ended up driving the car onto the boat and over to England on steel wheels, still half built. The interior was hanging out. I drove the whole way to Telford with the B-pillar trim threaded through the seatbelt sitting on my lap because what? we hadn't refitted the whole interior yet. Safety first, Courtney. Safety what, first. What happened when it rained? And we forgot the wipers. Because they were painted and left hung up in the garage. This is the sound full hillbilly style here oh, right it now. It really was. Yep. The looks rolling into Were you playing Nathan show. Carter or Garth Brooks on the way up the road? <clears throat> you want to see the look driving into the show. It was like, what the fuck is that thing doing here? <laughs> and we essentially then built the car yeah. in the show hall. We hadn't actually trial fitted the wheels before we were in the show hall i knew how they were going to sit but we hadn't actually done it yeah we we had done all the calculations we were pretty sure we knew what it was going to look like but you never totally know until you get it on the ground and the suspension settles down and as an engineer i know everything works in theory until it doesn't work in real life exactly but luckily it worked out and it sat exactly as we had predicted and then we celebrated well with a lot of alcohol Yes. So everyone thought we were mad, but as it turned out... We are mad. Down to the wire, but it all worked out in the end. Yeah, we tend to work well under pressure. Yeah. So that's where the Volkswagen thing somewhat spiralled out of control. I don't know why I'm the butt of every joke that I have all these cars and I keep buying cars and have loads of cars. You have as many cars as I have. List them, Connor. List all our cars right now. Right now. Well, that's what I was going to start off with was... (laughs) I bought a Corrado <laughs> yes. as a donor car What for the yes. Vento. And what happened? The Corrado bit back and went, no. Oh my God, it's purple. I'm going to keep it. <laughs> as soon as I seen it was purple, I thought that thing's not getting broke. 
Well, it was a purple VR6 and I wanted a VR6 for the Vento. And I specifically wanted the 2.9 Corrado one rather than the 2.8 Golf one. So that's why I bought the Corrado. But yes, you're right. As it turned out, it was too nice of a car and I couldn't quite bring myself to strip it for parts. They're all too nicely. (laughs) Yes, I do get emotionally attached. That got added onto the project list. Yeah. And it's still there. It's still on the list. (laughs) Let's put an arm around you, Lee. Let's hug in a circle. Get it all out. So then when I took the Vento off the road, I needed something else to drive. And I still had the Nova, but the oil pump had gone and the engine had seized. So I had a little Polo for a while. 6N. And then I bought another car of a friend of ours, Andy, who I had bought the Polo off, which was a B3 Passat. X-Forces Passat. Yeah. Yes. Full underbody bomb proofing. Bomb proofing. Welcome to Northern Ireland. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, B3 Passats rot as bad as mark three golfs this thing was solid it was really impressive the stuff i would love to buy i think i might, ha- might have something to do with the layer of bomb proofing underneath it yeah it's half an inch thick <laughs> i was gonna say it probably still is it's still in the yard it was supposed to be just a daily but Always. as usual um well it didn't go too mad it came to a few shows i put the wheels off the vento on it for one show I was looking at pictures on Instagram the other day. I think that's the only show ever that you and I have both had a car at at the same time. Yeah, because we're absolute disasters and we end up working on each other's cars and say, oh, mine will be fine. Yeah, I mean, we always we either seem to overlap or one of the dailies needs something or we need a car to take to work so everything else takes a back seat. And Yeah, one one show, out of all the shows we do together... In 10 years, one show with two cars at it is impressive. And that's actually the show last week where I mentioned where my gearbox locked up and I had to drive your, right. home, your car home. So <laughs> it wasn't exactly a success. <laughs> then eventually, well, the Passat got rear-ended, and, but I still drove it. But then either the gearbox gave up or a drive shaft fell out. I can't quite remember. It gave up too. So I've kept it as well in the hope that one day I would get around to fixing it up and doing it up again and then two years ago after my dad passed away I inherited his Nova as well so that was two Novas along with all the aforementioned so I did get rid of one of the Novas last year yes which was a hard process oh it nearly broke my heart it was my original Nova the the one you learned driving yeah unfortunately out of the two it was in the worst condition and I was hoping to kind of make two cars into one good one. So we stripped it for parts as much as we could salvage and it went to try and clear a little bit of space in the yard. Mm-hmm. Round about the same time or shortly after, I got a new job where I would be travelling more. So I had to have a, it's not a company car, it's my own car, but a car that I could use for work. And rely on. And travel in long distances. So I have to have something, either diesel or at the very least economical and as you say reliable and not going to break down every five minutes like so you bought an rs4 i wish (laughs) (laughs) rs6 gearbox at long last my dream came true of owning a mark 3 sirocco albeit a diesel one which is not what i would have ideally wished for but my blood pressure's rising (laughs) it's a great car i love it i love driving it i still love driving despite all the miles that i do on it does everything that I ask it to do. It's comfortable. It's quick when you need it to be. It cruises when you need it to. 
it's great. Those one seventy common rail engines are fantastic though. They yeah. they just they're so smooth. They they actually don't really feel like a diesel compared to the old PD engines, which is like nothing, nothing big it, pressure it, boost. I think there's a few injector issues in the f- early years. Yeah, yeah. I think that was the only issue was really with Yours them. But apart from that, there were two thousand eleven, so it was well past oh, that. I think the early ones. The CR engine then. I know. I think it was the 07, 08s had injector issues and yeah, stuff like that. I think before that they had porous heads as well. So the start was 06. Well. Yeah. Because uh, my mum had a two liter TDI and it was just the six months after. And so. so she escaped the problems. But with my new job, obviously it involves being away from home quite a lot. I generally stay away four nights a week. So naturally, I suppose all the other cars have been a bit neglected of late. I can only work on one at a time. <laughs> well, I only really have time at the weekends and it generally consists of home on a Friday night, do whatever I need, errands I need to do on a Saturday and on a Sunday start packing for going away again on Monday. So it doesn't leave a lot of time for... And then throw in, especially over the summer, the odd car show and visiting family and that doesn't leave a lot of time. Do your nights away allow you to peruse cars for sale? They absolutely do. And it's very funny that you should mention that. Oh, big announcement coming up. What have we got? Because despite the fact that I have said that this year I'm planning a clear out and I'm going to actually eventually start working on some of these You put the car projects. in reverse and just went, nope. But Dubshed's coming up. I haven't had a car at Dubshed now for years. And I thought I really need something while I work on all these other cars that I can actually bring to shows. That makes perfect sense. Oh, perfect yeah. sense. I that, thought so. That's called man mouths. Congratulations, <laughs> Lee. You're now a man. <laughs> Just gender fluid. Gender fluid. <laughs> so, about two weeks ago, this is an exclusive reveal, by the way, because not I don't think anybody else apart from our friend Stefan actually knows this. Pretty much. Um, is that I have bought another car, which is it's a Mark One Jetta. Hold on, Andrew Maxwell, if you're listening. Control yourself. Calm yourself. Sit down, Andrew. Sit down, Andrew. Okay. I think Andrew actually looked at this one. Our friend Andrew Maxwell is just a Mark One Jetta freak. So, no really? relation, by the way. No. Well, mm. we think. I hope there is no relations. <laughs> um. So it's a eighty-three Mars Red two point one on twin forty-fives. It sounds delicious. I must say. Oh dear Lord! It's the sort of thing that, whether it's an absolute, I made a mess. It's an absolute. I do apologize. Box. It's an absolute shit box or not? As soon as he started that car, it was sold. Uh, yeah, it was probably sold before that, but yeah. Uh, typical. I had to resist Satan when I seen that car advertised. I have to say right now. Yeah, I think we actually discussed it on our Facebook group. I think Andy Maxwell, who we mentioned there, had. Oh, he it was. As well. Yeah, he was ready to rock for it. Like yeah. Yeah. Which is maybe why I pushed Lee slightly in that direction. We're like, oh, look at this. <laughs> I, th- so, I honestly think if he hasn't bought the camper van, he would have been straight have on that. that. Yeah. Uh, not that he needs any more cars with 22, 21 in the yard. That's conservative. Yeah. Understanding Hi, Andrew. Wife. It's a Maxwell thing. So now I will be fully into hashtag dubshed prep. You For the first time in several years. Just when you're talking about shows, Lee, that sort of nicely leads us into your main topic tonight on our podcast. Shows and 
in this country as well as many others are a big part of the car scene. Yeah, they essentially drive car culture yeah. and bring new people into it when they see something advertised and it's look at the shiny essentially and then you get sucked in. Yeah, it's part of the scene as you say. People go to them for various reasons. You might be a first timer, you might just go because you're an enthusiast. You might go because you just built a new build. Try to earn some scene points. Yeah, well, that's up to you, Connor. <laughs> but for me, now, the builds are very important to look at, to sort of take in information and stuff like that there. But it's more about the friendship for me now. Yeah. Shows, meeting people you haven't seen in a while, catching up, seeing what they've done. I think a lot of it is an excuse for people who, as you get older, you've less spare time. Absolutely. It's, so it's an excuse to go and actually, you have to go and do it. Which then leads you to see the friends you haven't seen in potentially a year. I, I know, again, we spoke about Ultimate Dubs earlier. And there's people that I would have spoke to at that, that maybe even before heavily into social media, that was the only time you've seen them, once yeah. a year. And you're like, oh, what's happened? What's if you, you get past the language barrier of us and the English, and they can actually understand us, potentially with a few pints in us. You know, you catch up and it's essentially like you were speaking to them last week. You do make a good friend base through it. As important as social media is, Car shows for a car enthusiast are just as important to Definitely. catch up with somebody that they know on Instagram or Facebook or whatever. And maybe once a year at a certain show is the only time they get to catch up with them for logistical reasons, for time reasons, whatever. Yeah. Uh, it's a very social thing, a show, as much as anything else. There's nothing like seeing a car in the metal as well as just in pictures online. Oh, I fully agree. Yeah. You can look at Instagram all you want. It does hide a lot of flaws. Photoshop's a wonderful thing sometimes. It is. And you don't also see and appreciate the small details and builds, which personally for me is what makes a car. I could, yeah. you could look at something and go, yeah, that's fantastic. But you'll find me head buried in the bonnet. Where's this stud? Is this done? Where have they ran the wiring? Small minute details and stuff that if you're not really into, say, a Mark III or a Polo that you will miss. I think one of the biggest wake-up calls for me was... GT International, which used to be one of the biggest shows in the country. Back in the early 2000s, I used to have PVW on subscription regularly. And one of the contributors or writers of PVW had a G60 Mark II Golf. Has uh-huh. FAA-17s, a few mods and engines and all the rest of it. I just thought that thing is immaculate. Very of its time. It was on the PVW stand at GT International. It was rough. I had a similar one with... Um I don't think I'll name who it is. Very well-known Mark II show car. Around Lee will know because she's eyeing me here. I absolutely idolise the car. If you can idolise a car, everything I was building was focusing towards this car. And I come to see it at Ultimate Dubs. Very well-known Mark II. Had been in PVW. You're looking at it and you're going, how, how do people build to this level? And suddenly there's no headlight wiring. There's no wiring to the engine. There's... But there's no wiper linkage. The wipers are there, but there's no linkage behind them. So It's just a mantelpiece ornament, essentially. Yeah. And while you can turn around and say, yeah, it's not a very usable car, to me, that is not a usable car whatsoever. So I don't see the point in it. I would rather build something that looks like it can't be used, but can use it. It's not a car. We've had this argument before, yes. It's, to me, if it doesn't at least run, even if it's only on takeover, it's not a car. On the flip side of that, I've been to shows where I've seen cars online and went, that's a nice car. And then I've got the shows and went, wow, that is stunning. Yeah, again, because you can appreciate it because you can see it properly. I, I forget his username right now, but um, I think it was fitted three years ago. 
Black Mark II Golf. It was on the stand that fitted two years ago. Is, shit, is that a Scottish car? No, it's Newcastle in one time. Is it a KR on throttle bodies Something or carbs? Like was it at Cleanfest as well? Yes. Yeah, I know the car. He's Newcastle. Yeah, I know the one you're on about. I can't even think anything to look him up. But I remember seeing it online and going, that's quite nice. And then I seen it in the flesh. I just went, wow, that is flawless. So shows can yeah. make or break a car. And mm. I think a lot of the time as well, you see things online and because it hasn't got the latest wheels or the latest modification, like when wide bodies were a big thing, I was never mad into them. But most people look at it and go, there's another Mark II Golf. Yet they're fapping over something that is fiberglass from our soul to breakfast essentially yeah. up the sides to make this massive wide body because that's the end thing i think we've gone off topic a little bit slightly as opposed to shows we've now a lot, of, into lot trends. of hate a lot of hate there isn't there oh it's <laughs> a common out shows for me i'm just a few few years older than yourself yeah so like i started going to shows got my test in 96 i think shows for me didn't really start to kick in until their early 2000s locally you had few shows and then there was a few guys that started to do all sorts of shows there was four play at the odyssey it sounds kinky but which probably was off the back of the fast and the furious films oh, at was the, time. it was the fast and furious thing just sparked everything off yeah it was big body kits all brands jap euro Fla- flashy colors yeah there was in fact a, a show back then called belfast and furious and then there was a show in fintna what was yeah. it called? Oh, Fintan Iran for years. Fintan Alive, I think it was called. I don't even want to know because that show was a nightmare. But essentially they ran these shows for probably a couple of years and the same cars came. I know here the scene's a small place and all the rest of it, but it ran its course. Yeah, definitely. In the background, being in the VW scene, I heard rumours of people talking about the Cork show and the Limerick show. Never actually been, but heard good things about it, and it was, it was a driving force in the VW scene. And I thought to myself, right, I have to get to one of those shows. I have to experience this. Yeah, proper enthusiasts in Volkswagen down in Cork. Uh, it was by, I think it was Vag that ran uh, V A G E. It's a group from, based in Cork, and they ran a show, and then there was Limerick Classic Car Show. It was heavily influenced by the Volkswagen scene as well as the classic scene. But they were the two main things going on in the day. At the same time, I was involved with a local club, well, a UK club, Club GTI, and we were uh, running track days at a local race course. And I always thought, there's no reason why we can't have something similar in the s- north. You know, some sort of outdoor car show. So push came to shove, and I pushed, and we got a show at a local forest park, Castlewell. That was 2003 or four. And we started having our own local car show. We invited all sorts of makes of models and car clubs to the event. And the first year was brilliant. There must have been 300 cars at Castle Island Forest Park. Which for anyone that knows that would probably fill that car park. Well, it wasn't in the car park at that stage. It was in front of the castle. Oh, right. Well, that's before my time then. Yeah, it was in the in front of the castle uh, on the grass with the bays. Um, <laughs> bit of a local joke on the grass and then it got moved to another place because the grass flooded blah 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 and then eventually it turned out that we'd have to do it in the tarmac in the car park so Castle Well ran for years then and it became a very much landmark show in the scene it was always my favourite show of the year 
Yeah, it was low key, and I think my first year was trophies. Trophies weren't an issue. It was no. all about people getting together, cars, chill barbecue out. for charity. It's just chill out, relax in a nice environment. Yeah, and then a few of us camped, which made it extra fun. Yes, it's an important part of the scene. Throughout the years, went to many many shows. One of the first UK shows I went to was GTA International. Some of the younger whippersnappers listening would know what GTA International was, but back in the day, it was a major, major event in the UK before UD, before Edition 38, before Fitted, before Players. It was the big show. I'm 31 and I just caught the tail end of it. I went to it, I think it started in the late 90s. I went to it in 2002 and it was, it just moved to this new site. Was it Zipswitch? Was it Bruntingthorpe? I've, I can't honestly remember. But it was basically a big disused runway in England. And it was huge. Quarter mile drag strip. Proven course for cars. Just traders everywhere. Those club stands for as far as the eye could see. It was massive. Stuff that we weren't getting to experience in this country. We don't have even no. the likes of facilities for to have abandoned it, it, airfields. That, that was 2003 I think. It just blew my mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah so GTA International. It, it fueled my passion for car shows. From there, I just caught the bug and just had to get the car shows every year to feed, feed the feed the habit as such. And this was obviously before Instagram and likely before oh. the start of Facebook too, so the accessibility. The forums were a big deal back then. Yeah. Forums were where you got your information. Forums have died out now, and to it's, an extent I understand why, but forums were a fantastic resource. The, yeah, Club Polo, which you actually said about oh, last week, yeah. was... Briscota, the Skoda Forum. Yeah. Fantastic. The information those guys are absolute nerds. It's yeah. your feed off is fantastic. You could go onto one of them forums and go, I need to change XYZ and fifteen people would reply and go, Here's a guide. Yeah. And I guarantee if you Google anything to do with older Volkswagens and put Club GTI as in the forum on it, one name will pop up all the time. Rub Johnny. Rub Johnny. Yeah. yeah. Who falls into that category of absolute nerd. Yeah. And a resource in his own right, right down to the fact we're actually seeing a post today on Facebook. Someone asked, was Mark II GTI and non-GTI dash the same? And he said, short answer, yes. Long answer, no. There's different brackets on the back of it and went on to explain in words, <laughs> not even pictures, the details of the brackets on the back of it and why they were different and they would be fine to use it anyway. Yeah. So that that's lost, you know. That's lost and going slightly off topic. Recently, you had the Edition 38 forum closing down, which was, yeah. again, a, whether, resource. Yeah, whether it was being used or not, the details of stuff was there and you want lost. to find it, it's there. Yeah. Old pictures, old build threads, you know, it is a law. Facebook and Instagram, just, they don't, they don't meet that. There is groups and I suppose you could ask questions, but it's not a encyclopedic type resource the search functions are poor and you guarantee that every week if you're in a group you see the same questions crop up time after time yeah. and people then get sick of it it breeds negativity because people think someone new comes on and goes i'm going to ask a question it's new to them but it's the same question that's been asked every week for somebody that's been on that for the past year yeah so uh this fueled the, the habit the 2000s were basically getting as many car shows as i could get to that was basically cork limerick we're done castle well and most years I would fly to GT International. Yeah. But it slowly died to death. At the same time in the background in my head and people that were helping out and people involved with our sort of wee club, why can we not do an indoor show? Where, where I started to look out. Where, where could we do a show? 
So push came to shove and good friend Gethin Evans, he says he's he's heavily involved in the agricultural sector, sells tractors and would be heavily involved with a local event arena called King's Hall and we got a small hall at the back booked and we just went, right, let's go. And we booked it. 2010, we're on year one of Dubshed. Yeah, myself and Lee were actually there that year, but it was long before we met, at least a few years before we got to know you guys. And I remember going to that show and thinking, this is insane. But looking back at it, it was so Our stage so- that year was a John Deere tractor and trailer with pallets for steps. Yeah, I remember it. <laughs> very, very classy. Yes. All you needed was Nathan Carter singing his greatest hits. I was going to say, swing your crony <laughs> for the titties. <laughs> Don't edit that out. <laughs> oh, dear. But uh, year one of Dubshed, we had space indoors for, I think it was 70 cars. And turned out very successful, 70 cars. We had a very, very basic email entry system where you just emailed your car with a description and I remember starting there was a group of us organized the show and we sat at our mate's house from nine o'clock to half three in the morning going three entries that doesn't sound familiar whatsoever uh, um I think we went delusional towards the end so yeah plowed ahead with that the big success of that year for well as an outsider at that point had to be the weather oh it was the first few years were fantastic yeah. year two was just a heat wave I think yeah and that's April yeah, which in this country is it's quite a feat. Yeah. April showers, as they say. You're lucky you don't have snow. Outdoor, we probably a hundred, hundred cars, and it evolved from that. And year two, it doubled in size. We asked for a second hole. Year three, year three was just mental. We had two hundred and fifty entry programs. We'd printed out programs for people with a few goodie bags. We ran out of them probably about an hour before entry gets closed, and then it's just evolved and evolved. We're now in pushing into 2020 in the year 11 and it's just it's went from strength to strength yeah and thankfully connor and lee came on board probably four or five years four ago or five years ago and you've got the experience what a horrific shit show it is no yeah. i'm not saying shit show <laughs> <laughs> um yeah and in, in certain ways it is and other ways it's very enjoyable it's yeah. It's definitely an experience, and as we have said many, many times, it's something that we do not get to experience as a show. It's not a show weekend for us in that we go to enjoy it, relax, catch up with people. I constantly tell people, if they say, oh, I told you that at Dubshed, I'm like, don't tell me anything at Dubshed, because I do not remember, I don't speak. It's a blur. It's chaos. I take a minimal amount of photos, usually for the prize given, and a week later I look back and go, I don't remember seeing that, I don't remember seeing that, because it's just... Just for reference, we probably have our first meeting start October. There's a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff goes on ahead for the next six months. We do site setup on the Wednesday before the show, late nights then, right through, and we're probably off-site on the Tuesday evening. Yeah, so essentially you're on-site Wednesday, you're on-site Thursday for setup. Friday you're starting to allow some creators in. You're working with the events team to set up the building. You're there essentially nine to seven or eight o'clock at night easy yeah then saturday you're on site half seven ready to open gates between eight and nine you're there again we now do the judging overnight if we can that's a 10 o'clock job and something similar on sunday we go out for dinner afterwards and everybody looks like zombies yeah there's no chat you can barely eat but it's just become tradition and as nigel says back in monday 
to literally stand or well in this case kneel on the floor crawl yes crawl Pick along the floor, off the floor and scrape which feels like miles of tape which has been tramped into the floor all weekend so that's the glamorous side of it yeah but could crack all the same yeah you do you do get a laugh but, the, but there is an element uh, there's a large element it's team. camaraderie yeah camaraderie team you know it's the satisfaction when you do praise given oddly i actually can't wait over the weekend to see it finished oh absolutely and once it's finished you're like oh it's all over now for another year six o'clock show close on the saturday i'm just going one more day one more in my head yeah and that sounds so negative but it you're at the same time you do enjoy it as it goes along but it's just but so when much show close come on sunday evening you feel an immense feeling of pride that you've pulled it off yeah and you stand on the stage everyone's doing the prize given and you look out and you see these people who have traveled from as far as eastern europe to a show that as you say started in a shed out of the back of an events hall and the stage was a tractor and trailer and this year there's a couple of guys flying over from america yeah so you know we must be doing something all right well, hopefully so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's Dubshed. It's, it plays a big part in our lives. But there's a lot of shows we'll go to. Myself, I occasionally go to Ultimate Dubs. The VAG show would try and make it as regular as possible. Locally, you have MLVW. In yeah, the MLVW. They started up probably five or six years ago. Paul Glennon, Johnny Curran, Alan Ryan. They're some of the head guys there and John LaGrange, I think, is... John LaGrange, yeah. That's a hardcore VW enthusiast group. And they've they have run a show now probably four or five years down in Mullingar direction. Similar setup to Castle Welland in nice location, laid-back environment, and just good cars and good people. Absolutely. Um, and their show seems to be going from strength to strength since their new venue was found. Yeah. Um, they lost their old venue. and Which can definitely break a show easily. Yeah. It's in, usually held mid-May... Usually just before Worthersea they have their show. Unfortunately, we haven't actually made it to their show for the last two years since they've been at their new venue. Yeah, but I know Nigel and those guys have, and there's been great feedback from it. Yeah, very much so a Castle Wellen vibe to it. Chilled, people getting together, haven't seen each other in a while. A lot of guys would push to get their cars built for that show. And the, the nice thing about that too is there's some cars that maybe wouldn't go to Dubshed. Um, more older school stuff would go to MLVW and the the VAG Cork show. Yeah, some people would look at Dubshed and think it's very... Commercial, scene. whatever. Yeah, want to be seen kids and yeah. they don't like that scene. But so we that. would really encourage them to come to Oh, it. yeah, yeah. So you look at some of the past winners of Dubshed. You had a concourse... Well, Restomod slash concourse. Um, Carmen Gia was car of the show a few years back. Matt Downley's. And then Mark Rothers, Mark II, GTA. Yeah, which goes to show that it's not wheels and air essentially mm-hmm. that is going to win you yeah that castle Wellen vibe that we keep speaking about seems to be prominent in other locations too friends of ours the show organizers in america Corey sterling and his team run the vag fair shows and they do three shows they have alpine which is their big one they have york which was his main one originally what he started as and also in maine i haven't been to maine but again everyone says it's laid back it's camping it's just chill out and enjoy the time with your friends so it does seem to feature a lot in not just this country talking another uh shows that have been to probably in the last 10 years 2013 there's a couple of polish friends that live over here and they always said this oh you have to get over to poland come come to poland come to vag event come to vag event and we're going to yeah well, maybe try and 
then we started to see pictures. Social media was starting to get traction at that stage. I think Vagavent actually released quite a few videos of the show, which yeah. were brilliantly added. Yeah. yeah. And we just turned to each other and just went, let's book flights here. We need to do this. Went out on the Friday. The quality of the cars. They had it basically in the equivalent of a Butlins venue just outside Poznan. A cheap, way. cheesy holiday location. Yeah, but it was great. Just the quality of the cars. They're very select. I think they let 200 cars in and they're just top, top notch cars. Yeah, there's none of, no crying. They're there's not no, gonna there's no fluff. Anything. It's just 100% mental builds, top quality. That blew my mind that there is shows outside the UK and that field. Yeah, because Poland wouldn't exactly have been known for its massive output of high-end Volkswagens. No. Occasionally you might have seen something in a magazine, but nothing to that extent. The thing that blew me away was the quality of the cars and how friendly the people were too. Yeah. And they were really friendly. I don't know if it was because well, you guys have came all the way from Ireland or what, but they would chat. No there was problem. a connection there. Yeah. Um, what a great weekend there. Unfortunately, I haven't been back since uh, because I think it's invite only or something like that there now. Yeah, the following year after hearing feedback from yourselves, Lee and I, with Matt and Lucy, two friends of ours, tried to book it and there was something odd about you couldn't go to it if, yeah. if you hadn't got a show car. Which Yeah, I think, they shot it, I think they made it more about the cars and the people that own them. Yeah, which is fair enough. It's a bit of a shame. But it's the way it is, and it, it it keeps things. I think it's very much like Vag Fair, where they sort of keep the circle tight. Yeah, it, more about the people, real when it comes down to it, than the cars. The cars are a big part of it, but the connections with people is yeah. is what fuels it. If you have the venue, it's a lovely luxury to have. Yeah, you know, it's it's fantastic. Yeah, so Vag event was a highlight of two thousand and thirteen for me. I've always, at least every two years tried to go to edition 38 it would be a landmark show in the uk yeah definitely one of the the top shows in the uk we've been a few years and wouldn't go every year but we go try to go every second or third year i think uk's are uk shows are kind of getting like that now um it's probably not fair to say a bit samey because if someone said that about dubshed you'd think no it's not but it's kind of I don't really know where I'm going with that, but it's kind of the expense of traveling. Yeah. I think I think 10, 15 years ago, people were building cars every year. Yeah. But that's whereas now... Probably in the height of the boom. Yeah, in the height of the boom. Whereas now, people can't afford to build cars every year. Yeah. Um, and that's the difference between the UK and Ireland scene. And, well, maybe not the Ireland scene. But the UK scene's very, or was very, right, let's build this this year. And move on, whereas European cars refine, they evolve a car. Yeah, a, th- a big thing, even with ourselves here in Northern Ireland, is well, certainly five, six years ago, someone would have had a build, blown it out after the show season, build something new, part, put the part the car out. Yeah, and it's never seen again, and they build yeah. something totally different or move from one scene, say, to something else. Where, as you say, a prime example, and most people would know, would be Big Ron with his VR6 Mark One that yeah. ended sadly in flames, but that car evolved over a long, long time. Yeah. Just changed and changed, but never changed completely, just, as I say, refined it. Yeah, it's just a cultural thing, I think, between the UK and the European scene. But yeah, Edition 38, it was a regular show for me. I really enjoyed going to it when I could afford to go. In the meantime, lately, 
started going to fit the fitted show in Manchester. It's run by Alex Kowalski. It's a solely indoor show in Manchester now, but it used to be at a race course. Yeah, it was an outdoor show. Yeah, and, and they moved indoor. It's just absolutely huge. Absolutely it blew huge. my mind the first time we went there, the yeah. size of that venue. It's basically, I think it's three or four times the size of the indoor space at Dubshed. Yeah. Which isn't to be sniffed at because Dubshed's quite large. Yeah, that's, well, we have essentially the biggest indoor venue in Ireland. Yeah. But you go across the water and you could fit it inside something like that in Manchester. Nice try, guys, but look at this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Fitted's incredible. Started as a German show and last year they opened it up. Yeah, and you, as Lee says, just you go through it and you have low riders, you have motorcycles, you have the back to the max power days, cars are resurfacing, stance cars, everything from Hell and Imps through to Lotus Esprit's. The, it's, a, it's a great weekend, like you can fly into it if you want, if you're not taking a car. You're right beside the Trafford Centre, so... Yeah, know, everything's accessible. And Manchester's fantastic for a night out. It really is a great, great venue, great area, you know. Another show closer to ourselves in Scotland was Cleanfest. It's been rolling probably five or six years now, Connor. Yeah, Cleanfest. It's Fife Airport it started out on. Yeah, and... Run by the Keep It Clean guys. It always blew me away, their attention to detail. Yeah, it's not a not the biggest show in the world, but the quality of cars and yeah. the strange cars that come out to show at it is it's a, odd. It's an all-sorts show. Yeah. you've With a German vibe. Again, one familiar or particular build would be the Mark One Fiesta with the Turbo Focus RS engine. Yeah, yeah, which that is essentially a Mark One Golf with a, a TTRS engine only in the forward side, which yeah. is unheard of essentially with that, especially as a showy build, not just a track build. They ran it at Fife Airport for probably three or four years. Well, they always beat them; it always rained, and they finally moved to Edinburgh Showgrounds two years ago. Uh, it's been the making of them. Yeah. It's just a fantastic... It's a great venue. I personally love Edinburgh, so an excuse to get over Edinburgh. I try to get over there every year now. I really enjoy that show. Two years ago, I decided to go to Players' new show. and Players have been run for a few years now at Northweald Airport, but they decided... Well, they got the opportunity to host an event at Goodwood Motor Circuit. Yeah, an iconic motor circuit in the UK. Yeah. Um, Home of Goodwood Festival of Speed also. They don't get more historic than Goodwood. So players went to Goodwood and they hosted uh, what's called now the Players Classic. And it's essentially not, I mean, I, I suppose it is an old school show, but it's held within the grounds of the old circuit. In the pit area, Saturday, they have track action. Invite only to the track day on the Saturday with the paddock area being show cars on the Sunday. They uh, open the whole thing up. So then the track, there's parking on the track for show cars. I think the active track side of Players Classic factors into it big because what you actually miss it on the Sunday, I find, you know, you could stand around the show on the Saturday for a while and then go up onto the bank and watch, I think it was a Stanton's Satin Black M3 racing against uh Volkswagen up GTI and Ford Motorsport had their Mark One Golf. Yeah, which flat out blew up its engine. S- um, Revo had year. Revo had their Stage Three Mark Seven R, yeah, five hundred brake going around and Mark Two Escorts with Ron Cosy. Yeah, it's just if you if you're into cars, you like something out in that track. It's, your, it's Nirvana. It's basically a taster for the Goodwood Festival of Speed. Yeah, 
but with modified cars. Yeah, I love the show. I think it's fantastic. And I took the step last year and I entered uh, my edition 30, Mark 5 Golf. Me and a couple of friends drove down to it. Fantastic weekend. We were over for a stag do for Chris Genuine and you guys came to us. A few yeah. drinks. Might have been hanging our asses out of the top window at half eight in the evening. Wouldn't know anything about that. No. But, uh, but before that, we, we actually made a good day. Or we, we made a proper road trip of it. We drove into Liverpool, not through the sea, but we got a ferry. Um, <laughs> I visited my home, Anfield. Took a few photos there. Then we drove down through England. And one of our friends, Ron Hickey, um, he has a Mark II Golf with an R32 engine. 24 valve that he was getting tuned. He has since put a supercharger on. He was getting his Mark II tuned at Stealth Racing, and it was on our way. So we just sort of went right. We'll call in. So it was good to go in and see, you know, somebody like Stealth, uh, the premises of Stealth Racing. Chat to them guys, see what was happening. You know, you see these people online. You wonder what their place was like, and yeah, it was good to see that. Yeah, you, sometimes online you just have a snapshot of what's happening, but when you get there, it's totally different. And just talking to Ronan and the guys stealth racing, they just stealth racing, know the stuff. They know what, what's needed. They're very experienced. That stage, it was, it was Friday at lunchtime, and Ronan happened to say, Caffeine Machine is just that way, about 10 miles. Which I had actually I'd heard of, but had no idea what it was. So it's basically, I forget the guy that owns it, but... Major Motorhead, and he has bought an old country, not a country house, uh, an old farmhouse with a large bit of land beside it, and it has become a mecca for petrol heads. Um, it's got a lovely restaurant and cafe. It's all about displaying cars outside in the car park, and people travel from all around just to come and experience it. The inside of the place is decorated in motorsport memorabilia. He, in the last I think it was the new year there. He just launched the bed and breakfast facility. That's an odd one. Which they were building out the back. So now you can stay at Caffeine Machine. Caffeine Machine, one of my highlights in the road trip down there. So, yeah, we got launched there. It was great. Soaked that all in. Headed on down Chichester. We'd done Players Classic for two days. And then come home on the Monday. Mileage-wise, probably what would be for a mileage way. Plus a boat journey. Plus a boat journey. Yeah, definitely a trip worth making and i'll definitely be doing players classic again next year very good okay so i think you've listened enough of me waffling on about my experiences shows we'll just sort of make this into a two-part episode so we'll just move on to some listeners questions first of all okay yes that should be good fun yeah some good questions here so the first one i can see here is from donald mint donald underscore mint he says what's your favorite car mod to carry out in a car and why and he also says, will Connor ever finish his bathroom? No. And if you ask Lee, she'll say, it feels like it's never been finished. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> what's your favorite car mod to carry out in the car, Connor? For me, the obvious answer is probably wire tuck shave bay. But when you think about it, it's lower in a car. Visual impact, it's not as it's expensive as you want to make it be. But thinking back, I've never owned a car with standard suspension in it, ever. So that's that's mine. What about you, Nigel? Mods, it, it depends on the car. And it also depends what you're looking out of the car. If I'm looking performance, the favorite mod for me would be a remap on a modern car. It's the most cost-effective modification you'll make to a modern turbocharged car. Instant power. I'm sort of caught between suspension 
and wheels. Wheels maketh the car, but if it's sitting like a jeep, wheels make the car look maketh the car look stupid. I would rather have <laughs> only suspension than only wheels. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You don't want it sitting like a cart. No, a cart. A cart. <laughs> There's the country. <laughs> Okay, moving on to Ronan underscore H21. Ronan Hickey from all the way from Cork. I know Nigel wants a pro- packet of proper potatoes brought up to Dubshed, but does Connor want a jar of pickles? For anyone that follows me on Instagram, we will know the answer is no. That's an in-joke. Horrible pickles. So his actual question is, if you had to sell all your cars but one, which one would you keep? Otis the Mark Three, the green one, without a doubt. That's simple, yeah. Lee? It's a tough one. I guess the loophole is who am I selling them to? Because I could sell them all to Connor. <laughs> and then what's his is mine. And what's mine's my own. So Of course. But probably the Nova more for the that's sentimental a, that connection. Like a, that sounds like a really bad pre premarital agreement. I've been avoiding marriage for these reasons, <laughs> but apparently you can't avoid it. And what would yours be? Uh, I've been thinking this over the last twelve hours since the question came in and I think it's that car sitting behind you, the edition one, Mark Two. We debated on the way here whether it would be your Mark One or the Mark Two. Yeah, and I think, yeah, I think edition one because it's such a special car. Yes, yeah, the rarity factor. And I've had it sitting in Nexus stands for ten years. You meant to something? I would miss with it. it. It's like an old dog. <laughs> <laughs> you do want to see it go. The Mark One's very special, but I think my ties would probably be closer to the edition one because right. it is just. It's not a unicorn, but it's pretty damn close. It's as close as we get. I fell in it by, by happy coincidence. And yeah, it's a car that and there's no chance in the world to be able to afford it right now. Okay, the next one is from Eric Chung. Shout out to Eric. Big time quality automotive photographer. Give him a follow. He asked, what car should I buy next? A Honda FK8 or a Mark IV Focus ST? Gonna- I'd like to take this one. Go for it. Neither. Neither of those. <sighs> that's harsh. This man used to have a Golf R and he sold it. I was about to Fool. say, he should go back to the Golf R. That's my input on that one. Oh, Eric, you're getting it hard here. You're getting it hard. Oh, yes. Personally, I think you should get it. Well, if it came to them too, it's the focus all day long. The FK8 just looks like it's trying too hard. Yeah, they're a car that I think has just lost now, its I like, way. I like that they've went turbocharged yeah, long last. They're probably a great driving car. Apparently, I, they're absolute rockets. I not set my ass in one. But looks-wise, for me, it's a no. They look like a transformer. <laughs> I thought you were going to say transvestite. <laughs> <laughs> they look, to me, they look like a transformer on steroids. He also asks, who's better looking, me or Donald Mint? I'm partial to Asians, so I'll go with Eric. I'm a big fan of Chinese myself, although Donald does look devastatingly handsome. So uh, It's the pictures he sends me covered, his hands covered in oil that really does it for me. Oh, right. Let's move on quickly then. <laughs> okay, this is one from Jake McKnight, Jakey underscore 195. If you had to choose between driving only a Volkswagen every day for the rest of your life, but it had to be factory standard or a French car that can be modified in any way, which one would you choose? That's going to be a Volkswagen for me. As much as I said. What Volkswagen? He's asking what's... What Volkswagen? Every day. Bugatti. Motion Bora. Bugatti's You've in already the Volks- got it. Bugatti's in the Volkswagen group, by the way. I'll just like at this point. Is, it, is there a limit on this? No. <laughs> um, we'll stick the Volkswagen. Probably all rounder for something like that. Golf R. Yeah. Can't well, really go wrong. Yeah. Mark IV R32. For a daily? Yeah. I I'd th- have to change jobs that I didn't have to do that many miles, but... Yeah. I, I'd be willing to do that. <laughs> You'd be in the negative on the fuel mileage. Yes. 
I would, I'm a big Avant or a State car fan, so probably a Golf R State or I quite like the R36 Passat. Yeah, that's a personal favourite of mine as well. They're becoming quite a collector's item these days. Either one of them too, if it was strictly Volkswagen, I think, at this stage. Who? Michaels. What'd he say? <laughs> Keep reading. <laughs> Okay, we need to stand up and salute the American flag. We have a question fresh in from America. It's from Rick and Ralph. Caca! It's a bald eagle. Yeah. Let those... Maybe a bald crew. <laughs> <laughs> Let those eagles fly. So Ralph says, what do you think has better styling? European or the USA? I'm going to say he's... Better car styling, sorry. Yeah, I'm going to say that he's on about Volkswagens. Because he's a Volkswagen guy. Yeah. As much as I've looked towards the Volkswagen scene and idolized it, I'm going to go with European. When you see what the Belgians and the Dutch are doing with Mark 1s in particular, Mark 2s, it's just, they're works of art, but they're working, functional works of art. I find, I find it quite funny the way there's businesses now, like there's Jamie Orr, and locally there's Owen Maguire, and it's basically shipping European parts out to America and vice versa. Yeah. Because the, there's such a, the oh, we don't want our cars... We, People want to look at their, make their cars look different. Yeah, see a dual adage of you want what you can't have. But there's certain models of the Volkswagens where I th- do think the American, like the Mark V US spec, I think looks far better with the shortened bumper and stuff. Yeah, definitely. But they're probably looking again at ours and saying, I want that looks better. Bits. Yeah, yeah. Wanting what you can't have. It's you can't win with it. Who do you reckon is better styling overall? I'm split. Yeah, it's it's a hard choice. I do like a side marker. Yeah, I think that's the sort of definitive thing over here. Your USDM look is, if you have a side marker, should it be a trailer but, but side it, marker screwed onto a bumper, your USDM? Is that you like it because of something different? Probably. I think I think that's the main th- driving behind it. Like, um, He also asks, how do you feel about most car manufacturers moving over to the EVs? Hate it. Hate it. Wish it would go away. I don't like change. I'm actually for it because dinosaur juice is going to run out. A hundred years ago, I'd have been, sco- I just would have been cars with the devil and I'd have been looking at my horse dead. So I don't yeah. like, I don't like change. Well, I look at it and I think it was Jay Leno said it. The evolution of the car now, the EV, makes it that cars that do run petrol will survive if we make our daily drivers EVs. It means we will be able to drive our petrol cars. Yes, as long as you're allowed to remain driving internal combustion engine vehicles. Yes, that's fine. If they start to take them off the road, that's when... I'll Unless the green, the green Nazis come out and go get out. I think they're ready out. Yeah. Old Greta. Big shout out to Greta. Thanks. Next question comes in from Jez Monkey. Jez underscore Monkey. That's Michael Hughes. Good friend of ours. What is the worst car you've ever owned, Connor? I don't really think I've ever owned a bad car. For me, I've very I was standards. thinking about this too. I think it's not the worst car you've ever owned. It's the least favoured car. Yeah, I I get very emotionally attached to cars, so I can't even yeah. really say that. And it's like taking a wee dog into a shelter sometimes, I think. Yeah, I've only ever sold two cars in my life. One to a friend, Richie, which was my Mark II. And the reason I sold it was I hadn't the time to do what I wanted to it and knew that he would. So you're sort of sounding like you rehomed a dog, Connor. Yeah, he's a custodian as such. Yeah. And we do it, tend to keep things in the family somewhat. Yeah, even within GTNI and Shed 62, everything gets sold between ourselves. The dark circle. It is. Nothing <laughs> escapes. <laughs> so you haven't had a worse car ever, no? No, uh, I, th- I think I'm fine there. Lee's probably had a ton of them. Lee? Well, I have owned several Fords over the years, so it's got to be one of those. Oh, you said the Focus was good. I loved, I loved the Focus. It was a great car, probably, overall. 
but just the particular one that I had was a bit of a basket case. So I'd probably say that one. For me personally, again, as Connor says, I don't think I've had any absolute dung boxes, but my least preferred car was the the Mark 1 TT I had. It was a 225. It was a disconnected drive. I think you had said to me before about you didn't really like the driving position. Yeah, you're like in a tank turret. Yeah, sitting on the floor, feet straight out in front of you. Yeah, some people dig that. I just, I didn't warm to it. I thought it was underpowered, ridiculously bad on fuel. Whether I got a bad one or not, I didn't held that car for nine months and and sold it on. A scathing review? Hmm, just, no, not for me. So, yeah. Another question, any cars that you thought would be dung but surprised you and you liked them? Pretty much everything I've ever bought has been dung but I've liked it. (laughs) I didn't actually own it, but the Renault Scenic that we took to Worthersea... Yes, that's my answer to ...was surprisingly good. Now, would I have wanted to own it out of warranty? Absolutely not. Or at all. But for a hire car, for four people to drive right across Germany and in comfort and ease of driving and fuel economy, it was a great car. That was christened the scene bus. James, who was with us, was a photographer for... He was very seen. He was very seen. Um, His stance game was strong. It was strong. And he had a Just Stance sticker on the back of this totally standard rental Essential travel. as we crossed over into Wethersea and camped away with all the Volkswagens. I think sometimes when you step into a new car, because you're like myself, but don't often get a modern car. And when you do get a brand new car, you're like, holy smokes. Yeah, even something so that refined. people would look down on. So it's a you, big step up for me. Yeah, when you do get something on a hire car, it's going to be six months old, so it's going to be bloody good. Mm. I was hiring Hyundai's last year in England quite a bit, and the Air, uh, heated steering wheels air conditioned seats never mind heated seats and I'm like we're in 3019 here Yeah, I just don't fancy the idea of other people's farts blowing up around me so I can't really warm to the idea of an air conditioned seat they cool you anyway no pun intended <laughs> farts blowing around you there. we'll leave them that then if it was your own farts it's fine it's a hire car it's someone else's farts <laughs> <laughs> we can't go too far away talking about farts coming eh? no for me for that would probably be my wife's car was a Nissan Qashqai yeah. we, we bought it brand new in 2010 that's all she wanted was a Nissan Qashqai that's what she wanted to get uh, rang my friend who worked Nissan and he says do not buy the diesels it's a French diesel mm-hmm. or it's a French that diesel engine. engine 15 DCI do not buy that buy the paddle uh, paddle engine is great we bought it and I absolutely loved that car It was. we had it for 6 years and never missed a beat Drove lovely. It wasn't a majorly expensive car to buy new compared to other cars. So for a Volkswagen guy to say that, I tip my hat to Nissan. They built a bloody good car. Finally, the last question comes in from Colt Tweed. Colin Tweed. His question is, what cars are in your unlimited money garage top three? Lee, kick it us off. Assuming that I can keep cars that I already have. No. Fresh slate. <laughs> no, I can't. I have thought about it, um, but I was going on the premise that I can keep what I already own and buy three more. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like you. Sounds like something I might do anyway. I thought of Ferrari F40, the black one that the gas monkey guys did, not just a standard one. Yeah, the murder right one. That thing. The Cat C. Yeah. (laughs) I don't care what category that thing is. It is awesome. It's one of the best built. Uh, Second choice is... Tumbler 
from Batman Begins. There's a black theme here. A tumbler? What's the tumbler? The big tank looking Batmobile. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Third choice was difficult because I'm not one of these people who thinks, oh, if I won the lottery or came into a load of money or whatever, that I would go out and buy supercars, really. They're not, not something that massively interests me. I can appreciate some of them and in the engineering and stuff that has gone into them and the heritage, but it wouldn't be my first choice. I would be looking to buy a fleet of Novas or something <laughs> or something a bit more unusual or... Mitsubishi Galant VR4 is probably on my wish list of cars that I would like to own at some point. Mm, it's not unusual. a particularly flashy, unlimited money car, but something I've always fancied owning. I'll never forget local police service back probably 20 years ago. Up their game and bought a few import JDM cars to add to their fleet. Again, to chase the Fast and the Furious guys. And they got a couple of VR4s. And I remember coming into a roundabout they had an estate version, black one, in Nard's PlayStation. And it was just coming across, across the roundabout onto the carriageway. And I have never to this day seen a car disappear down a mile stretch of road like in my life. Yeah, and an absolute sleeper of a thing back then when you don't know what they are. It just unreal. That's what you. are you having? For me, um, again, I would literally be totally boring. And anyone who knows me will know that this is true. I would buy Mark 1s and Mark 3s. But if you want to force me to say what high-end stuff I buy, which a bit like yourself, I'm not really into supercars or anything. I like the engineering, but it's not really my bag. But older stuff like an XJ220 Jag, the F40 that you mentioned, and probably a GT40. That older stuff, you know, mm-hmm. just raw cars. Yeah, Even the likes of the Agura R that was in the Need for Speed films, those things are just mental but yeah. again not even really on my radar on the grand scheme of unlimited money garage because i'm sad and like volkswagens what about yourself Nigel? well i looked at the question and i thought right unlimited money and you're gonna have three cars so i look at it as i need a practical car in that top three. Oh, you've thought about this too much <laughs> yeah it's been run through my head for the last 24 hours um so i would have bells and whistles rs6 event oh yeah whatever spec list let's spec it out Unlimited money for the gearbox rebuilds. And yeah, well, you know, if you're vulnerable money, it's all good. I would have a apt edition one. Yeah. ABT. They're seventy eight hundred brake with their tunes basically. Um so that would be my daily. That's a mental daily. Yeah. Um I got I drove a two thousand and fifteen RS six. My friend Paul has one and I luckily got it for a week. One of the trips was a run to Edinburgh and back. It's a it's a I wouldn't say it's a sleeper, but it drives normally. But you, when you want it to kick some doors down, it'll kick the doors down and keep asking to kick doors down. Yeah, it's just an absolute train of an engine. It's kicking the doors down, and killing everyone in the room. Yeah, yeah. A lot of those new Audis, performance Audis, drive around the town like a diesel. Yeah, and as soon as you ask them to do what they're built to do, knock it into dynamic mode, and it's just like let's party. Number two would be. The latest GT3 RS 911, just for that precision tool of going mental. Something's developed over 60 years. Big fan of the 911s. I've drove a couple. Nothing as Larry as an RS or anything, but just I'm just a Porsche fanboy. Watch videos all the time. One of the guys in the automotive world I look up to, Chris Harris, and his reviews in Porsche 911s just convinced me that I need something like that in my life. Yeah, if he's going to tell you it's good, you yeah, want to take the word for it. He is driver-focused, and the number two, my driver-focused car. And then my third car, 
because I'm a Volkswagen background, I think just for drivability rather than a Mark 1, I would have a Mark 2 with an Audi DT RS engine on it. Oh, yeah. I've seen something similar. Synchro. Oh, oh, for the snowy weather. Yeah, it's, snowy. <laughs> it's going below four degrees when you have four by four. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, well, the RS6 would probably handle that okay, too. I'd yeah. be an excuse for a synchro system. <laughs> um, Colour-wise, probably oak green. Oh, yeah. Oak green, Iconic Mark II, TTRS engine, five-cylinder, four-wheel drive. Nice. OEM build. Yeah. Very nice. So that's, that's not a bad wee garage. No. That would do all right. Sell off and retire. Yeah. So that wraps up our questions. Uh, thanks again very much to everybody that sent a question through. Much appreciated. Um, we'll put another Q&A request out closer to the time we're recording again. Yeah, you definitely get a good laugh at some of the stuff that comes through. Yeah, and some of the stuff comes out of our mouth too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so as I said earlier on, time has got the better of us, Connor. We've waffled on a bit too long. No, that sounds a bit right. We're going to split this into two episodes. We'll get chatting to yourself and Lee on your global jet selling. Yeah, that sound good. A few years of that. Yep. So uh, we'll catch you later, folks. In the meantime, follow us on Instagram. Connor, what's your Instagram? Yes, you can follow me at, at Connor McCann. Lee? At Maxwell House 46. And you can follow me at VDubboy. And follow us collectively on Facebook and Instagram at Reload Podcast. And so that wraps things up. So all that's left to say is goodbye from Connor. Goodbye. Goodbye from Lee. Goodbye. And goodbye from me. Goodbye. Goodbye.